Welcome to Canaan Bound Podcast, episode number 54. My name is Philip Wells, and I will be your host for this episode. We'll begin today with God's Word for You with Pastor Timothy Smith. God's Word for You, Job 16, verses 15 to 21. We're, remember that we're listening to the agony of Job which really now is fast building up to a crisis as we approach the central and most important point in the dialogue part of the book. I have sewed sackcloth over my skin and buried my brow in the dust. My face is red with weeping. Deep shadows ring my eyes. Yet my hands have been free of violence and my prayer is pure. You imagine wearing sackcloth? Think of burlap when you think of sackcloth. It was meant to cause discomfort and even pain, to remind the person wearing it of their pain and even to cause more pain. This is the only time in the Bible or anything else I've ever come across that anyone mentions sewing himself actually into sackcloth. That would make it a much more permanent reminder of pain and could even be worn, I suppose, under the clothes. The the King James Version ends verse 15 literally with, defiled my horn in the dust. A horn is a symbol of strength, which is Job's idea here. The NIV's brow is probably an attempt to take horn as a location in the body. Horns usually grow, you know, out of the head. But now bleary and baggy-eyed, Job lifts up his face to heaven. My prayer is pure, he says. And he relates this to his hands being free of violence. In Zophar's first speech, which wasn't that long ago, the same relationship was emphasized. If you stretch out your hands, Zophar said to him, if you stretch out your hands to him, if you put away the, 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 the sin that is in your hand and allow no evil to dwell in your heart, that was back in chapter 11, the relationship of hands and guilt is especially shown in the evidence of blood on the hands. Remember that Isaiah condemned Judah. Your hands are stained with blood, your fingers with guilt in Isaiah 59. And in Psalm 7, David was making a vow when he said, O Lord my God, if I have done this and there is guilt on my hands. And in Ezra 10, Ezra the priest exposed the sins of the returning exiles. They gave their hands in pledge to turn from their sins. When we talk about sins, we talk about often original sin, the sin we're born with that we inherit from Adam and Eve. But we also have to talk about our actual sins, the sins we commit by either doing uh, something against God's will or failing to do what is God's will. So blood on the hands is especially a reference to actual sins and even to violent sins. Job doesn't deny that he is guilty of his original sin or of sins of omission. He's maintaining here that there is not a secret sin that's been causing his troubles and his suffering. In fact, Job insists that his hands are clean of blood, but his own blood is what cries out for vengeance. Let's look at verses 18 to 21. O earth, do not cover my blood. May my cry never be laid to rest. Even now my witness is in heaven. My advocate is on high. My intercessor is my friend. As my eyes pour out tears to God, on behalf of a man he pleads with God, as a man pleads for his friend. The proper way to dispose of blood was to pour it out onto the ground 
and cover it with dirt. We learned that in Leviticus 17 and in Deuteronomy 12 and 15. And notice that Job has said, O earth, don't cover my blood. When the evangelist Luke was describing Jesus' final hours in prayer, it was natural for a student of the Bible to mention that when sweat fell from Jesus, it was like drops of blood falling to the ground. Luke twenty-two forty-four, Blood uncovered cries out for vengeance. Remember that in Genesis 4, Abel's blood crying out for vengeance? So Job commands the earth not to cover his blood so that it will cry out to God. Job's desire for his Savior is growing up more and more strongly inside of him. Once again, he confesses that his Savior truly exists. His God is in heaven. In verse 19, Job calls this Savior his witness. This is the same word we find in Joshua 22, a witness between us and that the Lord is God. And Job also calls his Lord his advocate. In verse 20, he calls God his intercessor and finally his friend. The second person of the Holy Trinity is all of these things for us. Witness, advocate, intercessor, friend. He sees our sins, yes, but he also knows that we're sorry for those sins. He advocates for us before God the Father, and he intercedes for us on our behalf. His blood shed on Calvary, covered over the guilt of our sins. The blood of his body, washing clean the blood of our hands. He is our friend, watching out for us and sending the Holy Spirit into our hearts and lives. That is Jesus. In Christ, I'm Pastor Tim Smith. This is God's Word for you. And now, Tracy Fedke shares with us two hands from her album, Child at Home. you 
Next, we join Pastor Aaron Nitz for Moments with the Master. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. The portion of God's Word that I'd like to consider with you is from the book of Romans, chapter 1, verse 17. And it reads, For in the gospel a righteousness from God is revealed, a righteousness that is by faith from first to last, just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. Have you ever heard these words? I think I might go to heaven when I die. I hope I go to heaven when I die. Have you ever heard those words? Ever spoken words like that? Words like those are full of this thing called uncertainty. The same kind of uncertainty that Martin Luther felt in his early life. He had been taught that salvation was something he had to earn. If he did good things, then he could go to heaven. He tried and tried. He lived the best way he could. He joined a monastery. He beat his body. He fasted. He prayed. But it just was never enough. He was still sinful, and he still deserved only God's wrath and judgment. How could God demand something of him that he just couldn't possibly give? Well, are you certain of your salvation? The devil loves to plant seeds of doubt in your heart and tries to make you think that salvation isn't sure because you haven't earned it. But the truth? Your salvation is 100% God's work for you. The righteous will live by faith. Jesus came, Jesus died on the cross to pay for all of your sins. Jesus won heaven for you, and God gives it to you as a free gift. It doesn't depend on you. Since righteousness comes from God, you know heaven is your home. God's done it, and that's awesome certainty. And we thank God for using someone like Martin Luther 
to make that crystal clear for us. I am certain of my salvation, and so are you. May the Lord bless and keep you now and always. Amen. And now we'll again hear from Pastor Timothy Smith with more of God's Word for you. God's Word for You, Job 16.22, and we'll continue into chapter 17 for the first two verses. Only a few years will pass before I go on the journey of no return. These uh, verses are a perfect transition from chapter 16 into chapter 17. The, The movement is so smooth. It's almost difficult to see why there should be any chapter break at all. But verse 22 does serve as a kind of finishing couplet to what came before. The three verses before us, the one I just read and the two that are following, they show us Job's whole world in shorthand. Here we have Job's future in 1622. It's his inner life and despair in 17.1, and his present circumstances are coming up in 17.2. All of these things together reveal why he has been yearning so much for his Savior and why his cry for God is growing louder and more passionate and more urgent all the time. This is the only time that the journey of no return is mentioned this way in the Bible. And in fact, Job is mistaken. The human soul lives on after death. It is immortal and is reunited with the resurrected body on the last day. After that, we will live body and soul together forever. Now, we are fast approaching Job's confession of faith in this very resurrection of the body in chapter 19. And Isaiah, in in, in Isaiah 29, also said, But your dead bodies will live. Their bodies will rise. You who dwell in the dust, wake up and shout for joy. And there is also the teaching of of Hosea in Hosea 13 and Daniel in Daniel 12. And of course, Jesus himself in John 5, who said a time is coming when all who live in their grave or all who are in their graves will hear his voice and come out. Jesus' words also show us that the resurrection is not just uh, an intellectual concept like what, living in the hearts of our loved ones or our spirits mingling into some other form of consciousness or any uh, Greek or Eastern ideas of reincarnation. Jesus says very simply, a time is coming. That's a reference to an actual event in the future. We will rise in the bodies we have and enter into eternal life. They will be perfected and made holy, but they will still be our flesh. We'll talk about that more in chapter 19, but now the first verse of chapter 17. My spirit is broken, my days are cut short, the grave awaits me. This verse stands apart from the others that surround it. It's just six words in Hebrew, forming three phrases, and it reads like the words of a little song or chant. Ruhi chubala, my spirit ruined. Yame nizaku, my days extinguished. Kabarim li, the graveyard, mine. Actually, the plural graves is normally a reference to a whole graveyard in 2 Kings 23 and so forth. Job might be thinking more of a mass grave. It's often used 
uh, by the poor or for large burials, like in Second Chronicles 30, 34, rather than for the more singular tomb of a, of a wealthy man. Sometimes uh, a man who is wealthy or even famous in life uh, has circumstances that require a much more humble burial in death. In fact, Mozart himself was buried in a pauper's grave, a mass grave, because his family was in debt when he, when he died. Verse 2. Surely mockers surround me, my eyes must dwell on their hostility. That's a cry of despair. The, the Hebrew almost takes on the form of a mild curse, but Job doesn't complete the thought, so we're left with surely and his misery. A fragment of a prayer found among the Dead Sea Scrolls reflects some of Job's anguish by expressing what the should should be. And we have seen that Job wishes that this were so. Let me read this uh, little poem to you. This is from uh, a poem found in Cave 4 of the Dead Sea Scrolls. It's fragment 434. So you'll see it marked 4Q434. In, uh, in references. It's often called uh, by the title, Bless, O My Soul. It goes like this. In their many sorrows, he, that is God, did not forsake them and did not deliver them into the hands of violent men, nor did he judge them with the wicked. He did not kindle his anger against them, nor did he destroy them in his wrath. Although all the wrath of his anger does not diminish, he did not judge them with the fire of his zeal. He judged them with mercy. The judgments of his eyes are to test them. Notice that in this poem, it's written in about the first century or so, the lesson of Job is understood. God tests mankind. And sometimes this takes on the form of suffering. Yet God's mercy is always there. Job's eyes must dwell on the hostility of his friends, but he aches for God's mercy. That mercy of God is what made us spiritually alive in Jesus. And that same mercy of God will raise us from physical death into the true life of sinlessness and eternal joy in heaven. As Peter said, in his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. I should comment that the translation of the Dead Sea Skulls fragment that I read was, was actually by uh, Florentino Garcia Martinez in a very excellent translation of the Dead Sea Scrolls called the Dead Sea Scrolls Translated, uh, done in 1992. Um, but I, in, the, in line six, I inserted the word diminish, which I thought might be a, a better uh, translation in that case. I hope that uh, uh, Mr. Martinez will forgive me for that. In Christ, I'm Pastor Tim Smith. This is God's word for you. We close out today with a song called Flesh by the band Spark and Echo from their album Spark and Echo. Seen this kind of glow. If 
if you hold on to my hand, I'll show you the best of the world that I know. Oh, this is our home. Here is the land where we live. Oh, I knew the moment I rose. You were the one that I love. Flash of my You have been listening to episode number 54 of the Canaan Bound podcast. This podcast was first shared in January of 2014. Visit Canaan Bound podcast to learn how you can support the ministry of the Wells and of the artists featured in this podcast. Once again, my name is Philip. It was a privilege to be your host for this episode. We encourage you to visit wells.net to find a Wells ministry location near you. Thank you for listening. <laughs>